Well, we got a special guest this morning. I'm excited to introduce him. David Fitch is a born and bred Canadian, a crazy sports fan for a lot of Canadian sports. Um, and yet, uh, he's been for the long, a long time now serving and teaching in a seminary in the States called Northern Seminary. Uh, I know God has used him in a variety of different ways, um, both in church planting, in teaching, in raising up leaders, and in sparking conversation. A friend of mine who's a Canadian Montrealer that lives in the States and is kind of like just um, drained or overwhelmed by the polarization in, in the country there, uh, I, I referred uh, David's recent book called Us Versus Them. I said, hey, pick this up, you know? So he downloaded it on audio and listened to it. And then he sent me a note. He said, I, had, I listened to it two times. Uh, I had to listen to it again. And um, he tracks with us on Facebook. And today uh, he noticed that David Fitch was speaking today. He's like, that Us and Them book just keeps coming to mind uh, all the time in my conversations. So that's the kind of, I think, the heart and writing that, that David does. And he's with us today. I read a book of his recently this year called The Faithful Presence and um, just stirred my heart about what it means for us to be present to the Lord in a variety of different circles and atmospheres. And, uh, and I thought, wow, he's going to be in town and close to us. And so he's with us today, and he brought his friend Jason with us. They're both from the kind of Chicago suburb area, right? Kind of there. So, hey, David, why don't you come up, and let's just welcome him. Thank you, my brother, David. And you can call me Fitch if you, you want. You can call me Manifold. No, Manifold doesn't work. Manifold doesn't work? No. You know way. too many of them, maybe. Okay, that's good. <laughs> oh, so good to be here in Montreal. Um, yes. Um, we come here from Chicago, and we're, we're here seeking to learn. We're here trying to uh, learn from churches in Montreal and Quebec because we think you're already going through some of the things that we are just starting to go through. Imagine that, Americans coming to Canada humble enough to learn from Canada, eh? <laughs> Amen, amen. Well, let's pray and ask uh, uh, God to be with us. Lord, we just give you thanks and we ask your presence here. Let us tend to your presence. What you're doing among us, guide us, shape us, by your spirit. Amen. Well, uh, my first time coming to Montreal was when I was 10. Um, my family jumped into our car and, and we drove here uh, to Montreal from Hamilton. By the way, uh, any Alouette fans here? Is there any Alouette fans? Nobody cares about the... You have, to be, you have to be over 50 to care about the CFL, I think. <laughs> Anyways, I won't go into what happened yesterday with the tie Cats. But anyways, uh, yeah, we drove here from Hamilton for the Expo 67. Is there anyone old enough here? One, two, three. A few of you, yeah. And uh, we came to Expo 67, and those were such different times back then. I mean, Quebec's always been different from Ontario, I know that. But the shifts, still the shifts between then and now are mammoth in proportion. Uh, you know, you've probably heard all these statistics and I won't bore you with them, but you know, Quebec has gone from 90% of Quebec's K-12 
Catholics going to Mass on Sunday to under 6%. You, you know that, right? I mean, it's true. Is it true? Okay, yeah, because I, I got lights on me and I can't see too many faces here. <clears throat> the Catholic Church has gone from a dominant institution to, <clears throat> you know, the source of, of, of swear words in Quebec. Charles Taylor, by the way, right down the road here in McGill, wrote the book uh, Secular Age. And uh, it just describes what I know you've been going through here in Quebec for a long time and what we're experiencing in Chicago and just brutal ways in the last 10 years. What a unique time to be a Christian. What a unique time to be living as a Christian when all of the culture kind of ignores you or uh, doesn't understand what you're saying or actually maybe even resents you. How are we to feel about all this? How does it feel to be a Christian in Montreal? <laughs> See, that's why we're here. That's why we came here, to hear that. How are we going to bring the gospel to a world that at times seems disinterested, uninterested, or even resentful? How has God called you and me to live in these secular times? We're here to learn from you. We're going to a group of pastors up north here for two days. But here's a few challenges I humbly offer and see where they might sit with you. The temptation, the temptation uh, for us who are older, all of us who remember Expo 67, uh, the temptation for us has been to go home, batten down the hatches, get defensive, shelter ourselves and our families from the crisis. That's like one temptation. The other temptation, and by the way, that's not a good option. I mean, we are surrounded, and there's no getting out of this, so defensiveness is not really going to work. But the other temptation is, okay, let's just bless everybody. Let's love everybody. Let's love everything. I love this congregation. Because <laughs> that wasn't even a joke. <laughs> so that's the other temptation, love everything. But that doesn't seem... It seems like Jesus Christ might have more to offer the world than that. You know, healing, forgiveness, reconciliation, victory through suffering, victory over death and sin, transformation. And so, you know, we come to this text uh, that was read uh, from Luke 10 this morning, and we see Jesus like sending out, sending out 70 disciples, and he's kind of saying, okay, look, I'm going to give you some instructions. And this is how our God God the Father, Son, Holy Spirit works. He says, go be present, then proclaim the good news, then the power of God shall be released. Like that, that's like three Ps. Every good sermon's got to have three alliteration Ps. 
go be present. <laughs> Only then after proclaim the good news. And then the power of God shall be released. Look with me just at this text briefly. Be present. The first thing Jesus tells his disciples to do is go and be present. I am sending you into these towns and villages to proclaim the kingdom, but first, first, go be present. He says, verse 3, go. See, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves, vulnerable, humble. This is what it means to be present. Be vulnerable. He says in verse 4, carry no personal bag, no sandals. Go needy. Don't bring your money. Don't bring the means of power and pretension. I don't go into these places saying I have the goods. I have I have I am here to solve your problem. No. That is not being present. He says go and look for a person of peace verse 5. Do not force yourself on people. Don't be coercive. Relax. Can you just relax? And be present? Look for a person of peace. Verse 6 says, when you find someone, remain in the house. Don't move around. Be there. Be present. Eat what's set before you. You know, go and be among. You are not in charge. You give up control. When, when he says, eat what is set before you, you are not in charge of the meal. You are receiving a meal. And it happens around a table. Anybody notice the dynamics of sitting around a table? God's always working around a table. Do not move from house to house, verse 7 says. Remain in one place. I believe the theology of place is really important. I think we need to find these places where people are and be there and remain there long enough to sense and discern what God is doing. Go and be present. So often we're tempted to enter a place. We're tempted to come with a ready-made solution, with a prepared speech. We come loaded for bear. But Jesus says, no, no. Go vulnerably, listen, tend to what I'm doing. Go and just shut up. Shut up and be present. I remember... Um, Jason is here with me from Peace of Christ Church in Westmont, so... I'm going to change the name of this person. I'm going to call him George. I've been hanging out at this bar, and George decides he wants to come and see what's going on. I'm sitting there. I'm having a light beer. I only have two. Like good Pentecostals, two. And uh, we're sitting there. 
And George comes in there and he's sitting at the bar with me and I'm just being present and he starts shaking his leg. I don't know if you know it, you know, he's getting nervous. He's shaking his leg and he says, okay, when do we make our move? I go, what are you talking about? When do we, when do we do something? I go, what are you talking about? I've been here for six months. Don't wreck everything now. We're just going to sit here and be present and allow Christ to open up places for us to speak the gospel. Jesus says, go be present first. Listen. Discern what I'm doing. The harvest is plentiful. It's already done. But there's no laborers out there to pick the already ripe harvest. Can we go? And be present to what God is doing in the world. What does it look like for you to be present with people in your lives, in your neighborhood, in places of struggle or lostness or brokenness or injustice in the city of Montreal? I go to this establishment every Thursday night, late afternoon, 4 to 7 p.m. It's called Uptown Bar. It's open from 7 a.m. to 3 a.m. every day. People gather there to have a drink, to wind down. There's many overnight workers from the hospitals and other places, cleaning workers from other factories or office buildings get off the train. They come here. I sit on one side of the bar. I bring sometimes something to read. I bring like papers to grade and stuff like that. It's, it's okay. Just be yourself. It's like a little micro sociology where people like struggle, gather, think, talk, unwind. Often there's this look of loneliness in people's eyes, people longing for something. They don't know what they're longing for, but God is working. On my way there, so out of my house, I take a right, then I go one block this way, two blocks this way, and then half a block that way. And as I'm Going there, I pray the prayer of Epiclesis. That's the priest prayer right before the priest in the Catholic Mass, right before the bread and the wine turn to the actual body and blood of Christ. And I don't want to get into any Catholic theology or any resentment of Catholics at this moment. But there's something in that prayer. Lord, be present. It's an invocation. Lord, be present in this place. Make yourself real. Make yourself known in this place. And this prayer just so shapes me to see what's going on in this bar and be ready to proclaim the gospel. Jesus says, go be present first to what I'm doing. Don't get nervous. Don't have a prepackaged gospel. Go be present. Can you be present with people in your lives, in places of struggle or injustice in your neighborhoods? The second thing then goes in verse 8. Jesus says something like this. Heal the sick. 
and then the kingdom of God is coming among you. Or excuse me, then say, the kingdom of God is coming among you. Heal the sick, and then say, the kingdom of God is coming among you. Notice Jesus tells them to first pray for people, pray for healing, and then say this declarative statement, the kingdom of God is near, the kingdom of God is breaking in. This is the kingdom of God happening right now. This is what it looks like. The, heal, the person just gets healed. Ah, ah, ah. That's the kingdom of God. That's Jesus working in your life. Don't explain it. Announce it. The God of the universe, Jesus Christ, I see him working in your life. Do you know the gospel is the announcement that God has fulfilled the promise of Scripture to make the world right in Jesus Christ? That's the gospel. That's a summary of the gospel by N.T. Wright, this guy who once taught over at McGill University uh, a long time ago. 1 Corinthians 15 is Paul, the Apostle Paul's definitive summary of the gospel. It goes like this. Christ has died for our sins. By his death and resurrection, he has defeated the effects of our sin, including death. He now sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling ruling as the Lamb of God slain for the world, and His kingdom is now coming in. It's happening. Slowly, yes, but it's happening. And then, then verse 25 is the crescendo of the whole gospel. It says, And He shall reign until all enemies have been made subject. Obviously, all the enemies have not been made subject yet. Obviously, there's still evil and darkness and hurt and pain and lostness and injustice. But he's reigning and he's bringing it in and he's working in the way he works, which is through his presence. So can we go and can we go into these places and say, hey, I see it. He's working. Are you interested? One time I was in McDonald's. I spent many years in McDonald's. I, know, I don't know how you feel about McDonald's. I much prefer Tim Hortons, by the way. We don't have Tim Hortons in Chicago. So I go to McDonald's. $1.82 for a large coffee, three creams. And uh, free refills at McDonald's, by the way. And I'm sitting there with Steve, a guy that I've gotten to know for two years, man without a home for three years, man living out of his van. <clears throat> first time, first time I meet Steve, he sits down and he says, Dave, there's a conspiracy going on between Barack Obama and Mars. And they're putting chips in our brains. If I hadn't read Luke 10, and if I hadn't been really convicted about the way God works through his presence, I think I would have been out of there in the next five minutes. But I listened two or three more times. Obama, chips in the brains, conspiracy with Mars, they're taking over. And I go, okay. Finally, I just said, Steve, okay, I get it. Obama. Chips in the brain, Mars, conspiracy. But how are you doing in your life? 
He goes, what? Yeah, I'm, I'm sitting here, and I'm goes, how's your life? And he started to open up his life to me, and over the next year, I'd just be sitting there having a large McDonald's coffee, three creams, and God started to work, and God was working. And there's several stories, a few of them about Steve in the book Faithful Presence. And there came a time, uh, I'm off my sermon notes, so this sermon could go a little longer than I was anticipating, sorry. Uh, there came a time once when Steve said, Dave, it's Christmas time. I haven't seen my kids in 10 years. I grieve. The suffering starts pouring out of him. And uh, I said, Steve, I see Jesus working here. I think Jesus is working to reconcile you and your family. Steve goes something like this. Dave, you're out of your mind. You have no idea what you're talking about. I have a restraining order uh, against, against me by my ex-wife. If I even show up, it'll be expletive, expletive, expletive. What's the gospel? I go, oh, I believe Jesus is, I wasn't raising my hand at McDonald's, by the way. I go, I go Jesus is Lord. He's Lord. I see in that hunger the Holy Spirit, and he's drawing you in. Are you interested? And he said, yes. And we, we uh, wrote a letter to his ex-wife. A year later, Steve is with his kids at Christmas. Half a year after that, I've already moved to Westmont. I drive back to the old McDonald's, and, uh, and uh, Tommy, Tommy Maloney was the cynical guy who said, Dave, you're wasting your time with those people. They'll never get jobs. What are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. I go, Tommy, where's Steve? He goes, oh, he got a job. Yeah, when Jesus gets into your heart, when he transforms you, when he forgives, when he heals relationships, all kinds of things start unwinding. And the gospel takes root. This is the way God's going to work and save the world. Can we go be present? And can we proclaim the gospel? Can we just describe it? Oh, I see Jesus is Lord and he's working in your life. Are you interested? The gospel is the announcement that God has fulfilled his promise in Jesus Christ to make the world right. It's so big. It's so all-encompassing. There is not one inch of our brokenness that the lordship of Christ cannot heal. Do we say amen in this church? Amen! amen. Sorry. And so go, be present among people, listen, be with people in their lives, pray for them. Anyone, anyone here have um, struggle trusting dentists? <laughs> I'm normally a very trusting man. You know, lawyers and used car salesmen, no problem. But... <laughs> Uh, dentists, you know, uh, metal ice picks coming at you, you know, what's happening? And so um, I had a dream once. They say all your paranoias come out in dreams. 
I had a dream that I went to a dentist and I was expecting a cleaning. And the guy did five cavities on me. <laughs> and I asked him what happened. And he said, yes, yes, I know you needed a cleaning, but I don't do cleanings. So I did five cavities on you. A thousand dollars, please. Many of us come into a situation, you know, like a dentist, like a dentist who only does fillings and we, we need a cleaning. Uh, many of us come with one gospel. Doesn't matter if the person needs teeth clean, we're going to give them some cavities, filled cavities, pain. No, the gospel's so big. Jesus is Lord. He's fulfilled his promise to make the world right through Jesus Christ, and he shall reign until all enemies have been made subject. Amen? Jesus says, go be present and then proclaim the gospel. God's calling us to go and be present. But, and when we do, space is open for his power to become manifest in our lives. It says in verse 15, or 17 that uh, the disciples returned to Jesus and they said, Lord, in your name, in your name, the demons submit. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. The very authorities, powers, and principalities are being destroyed. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And so we enter the world and we open up space for the reign of Christ to take shape and break the strongholds. Not only in our lives, but in all the people around us. We, 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 this is the way he works. Go and be present long enough to know what I'm doing in somebody's lives and then describe and proclaim the gospel. And then the power of God shall come in. And then Jesus says something like this, nonetheless, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. Don't think that this power was yours. Don't think you can control it. Don't go out there and think you're in charge. Rejoice instead that you have been a privileged participant in what God is doing in the world. Can we say amen to that? This is the privilege we have been granted here as the church of Jesus Christ in Montreal. All we who submit to Jesus as Lord, we're subjects to the king who know how to pray. Oh, Lord, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done right here in Tim Horton Donuts or that shelter for the homeless or that town hall ordinance committee that seems to be a bit hung up on racism or any place we go, can we open up space for the kingdom? We have the privilege. We have the keys of the kingdom. We can go in mom's groups. We can go in hockey clubs. 
I'm a hockey coach. Who left it to? Yes, I, I still relate to the joy of hockey. Sorry, I get distracted. We can go be among those without homes. We can go to the library. We can go to the community garden and open up space for God's power to break in. Jesus says the strongholds of injustice shall be disrupted if we will just go be present and proclaim the gospel. Think with me for a minute, and and this is really the thing I'd like to leave with us all in closing. Where do you hang out? Where do you drink coffee, that great Quebecois? I'm, I was going to say Tim Horton's coffee, but no. Where do, you, where do you hang out and drink coffee? Where do you walk down the hall of your apartment building? Where do you shop? Where do you do the lunch hour? Where do you go to the boys' club? Are you frustrated with the town village ordinance committee? Why don't you go, like, be there? Make just a commitment. You don't have to be everywhere, just one place. What's, what's that? Where do they make the decisions for your school systems? Jesus is sending you. Jesus is sending you. Not to go solve people's problems but to open space for Jesus to solve people's problems. But we must first go be present long enough to listen, pray for people, sense the moving of his spirit in people's lives. Not everybody will be a people, person of peace. Just find one avenue and then proclaim. Will we go and be present. And then will we proclaim the gospel? And then will we open up space for the power of God to be unleashed, break chains, heal people's souls, transform people's lives, reconcile relationships, even change governments? Us in the U.S. like to, like to remember that it was Tommy Douglas, a Baptist pastor, who changed the uh, health system of Canada, and somewhere in Saskatchewan about 50 years ago. But it all started in one place. May the Lord bless you here in Montreal as the work he's given to you to release his kingdom. Amen? Amen. Father, we, just, we humbly stand before you and with one another here, God, and we confess that there are so often times when we Uh, neglect that you are present when we forget that you are present when we get so caught up in thinking we're the solution that even um, the slice of the gospel that is so powerful to us maybe that's the one we want to share right away and yet God your gospel is so big and robust help us to be present with people around us help us God as we step into Um, our week and our life and our neighborhoods, God, to be aware of your presence at work, in the office cubicle, at the lunchroom, at the corner with kids at the bus, at a local cafe, um, over supper, God, in a walk in our neighborhood with a conflicted relationship. 
Oh, God, we want to be present in all those places, God. God, help us to believe that, help us to believe that you have already brought victory in Jesus Christ and we can proclaim the lordship of Jesus in those places, in those relationships, in those conflicts, in those wounds, in that suffering, in those questions, oh God. And may we trust in your power, Lord, to be at work to you who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine according to your power at work in us. God, may we always trust and point to your power and your work, Lord. God, give us fresh perspective of what it means to be your living and local presence, to live such lives among our world. As your living stones, trusting the living stone, Jesus, your son. So God, I pray that over us this morning and as we head into our um, week and even this morning, God, if you've impressed someone on our heart in this place, Lord, may we not leave without taking the next step and being present with one another. Thank you for Dave and Jason who are with us today, God. Thank you for David's heart and his ministry and the way you've shaped his mind and curiosity and how you've uh, helped him discern um, what it means to be with you in all these real places, God. Thank you that we got to learn from him in this way today. Thank you for how he can shape us here in Montreal in our city because, God, we so long to see your kingdom come and your will be done here. And we gl are glad to serve you in a humble posture in that way. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen.